How do you understand your employer brand? You can aim to win awards. You can launch a new career site. You can activate beautiful campaigns. You can spend a ton of money on making everything shiny. But how do you measure how you're actually performing in the eyes of your candidates, employees, and alumni? We have developed the Employer Brand Index to help practitioners understand their company's reputation as an employer. It gives you a quantitative and qualitative understanding of what talent thinks, presented in an easily understandable score and actionable report. Learn more at employerbrandindex.co. Hey, 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 Sunsvaysan! It's Jorgen Sunberg here with the Employer Branding Podcast by Link Humans, London's Employer Branding Agency. Employee experience is a very topical concept at the moment. Now, how long does it take before a bad employee experience impacts your employer brand and vice versa? What role does transparency have in all of this? All the answers to these questions and more in today's expert interview. Let's start the show. Rayan Thorne, how's it going? Hey, Jorgen, I am great. How are you? Very good, thank you. Could you please let us know what you do? Sure. I am a head of marketing, vice president of marketing for Dovetail Software. We're an employee uh, lifecycle software. We track the, the lifecycle of an employee from the time they join an organization until they leave. And I work for Dovetail Software. Fantastic. And um, I read an article of yours, which is all about employee experience matching the employer brand, which uh, I'd like to ask you a few questions around. First of all, sure. does employee experience match with employer brand? What was the correlation there? Ooh, well, I, well, the correlation is it should. You, the employee experience should be reflective of the employer brand and vice versa. The employer brand should truly represent what it's like to work for an organization. And if it doesn't, nothing else is going to work. Um, you know, when we, when we consider talent that joins our organization and how we bring them to our doors, what are they attracted to? And if we've used uh, a false narrative, if we have lied or shown images that do not reflect um, what our organization is truly like, how is that individual going to feel once they are at that desk at week four and realize that, hey, this is not, I, I, I bit the wrong hook. This is not what I signed up for. And um, then they will start looking for a new opportunity. And ultimately, employer brand is that first um, opportunity to hook somebody for life. Um, I always I like to do the fishing analogy because uh, it works for marketing as well, uh, and marketing and employer branding are obviously very closely related. And so it's it's really important that whatever you um, you know hang out there in front of jingle in front of whoever you're trying to attract that it actually gives a peek to what it's really like within the organization. So if 
your employees are not having a great experience, how long do you think it's going to take before the the rest of the world figures that out, or at least their their little world when that employee realizes, ah, this isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> They're not going to be quiet about it, you know. Yeah. And and the way social media is today. And the opportunities for blogging and interviewing and podcasting and, you know, sharing videos and Snapchat and Instagram, all the things, all the little fun toys that are out there can be used against you if um, there's been any kind of falsehood or uh, deceit when it comes to attracting talent. So we're, we're really living in an, an age of transparency and you can't really hide behind any any marketing messaging but so does that mean then really that uh we should really forget about employer brand we should just focus on employee experience well i think that i you know i think they have to work in correlation together and i i love that you brought up transparency because when we first started talking about this when when talent management human resources recruiters first started talking about transparency we applied it to the candidate right we said you you better be truthful on your resume because we will find out we're going to do our research and you better be truthful on your linkedin profile because it's out there for all the public to see and now all of a sudden guess what transparency is shining back on the employer and on organizations that help employers to do a better job to hire attract manage keep retain um, quality employees. So I, I love the transparency side of this and that it's coming back on us. You know, we have to be transparent yeah. as well as um, at the employer that's doing these efforts. We better be truthful. And I don't think you can do, um, um, you can be, I don't believe that you can be successful with uh, presenting an employer brand that is not in in um, sync with your employee experience in the long run. I just don't think it's a possibility. So organizations that think that they will have a better opportunity to hire and keep talent that aren't going to the root of issues, that aren't really checking out why a specific department has more complaints or is uh, um, has a higher attrition rate, if they're not looking into that, and just saying, let's just change our branding a bit. They're not going to find that long-term success. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're preaching to the choir here. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's funny how employer brand, employer branding, it, it means different things to the different uh, organizations and different people. Because you can really claim that an employer brand is really the, where, where you should really think about uh, your perception and fixing things uh, and uh, making things right. Uh, but you know, and, and that's true. I mean, if you have a great organization organization, and you haven't made the effort to share that with the world, if you've only posted a really horrible job posting, right, <laughs> yeah. and you're not attracting the right talent, well, you you absolutely need to attack and, and have a better strategy and, and employ people to help you with that. But at the same time, if, if you don't have that really great organization, and you try to sugarcoat it or put a nice wrapping paper on it, it's still when people open up that package, they're going to see a rotten egg on the inside of it and not really, um, you know, it, it needs to be this full, it needs to be a full, great package. It cannot be just one or the other. So they, they have to work in conjunction together. And, uh, you know, I, I, struggle so um, so hard when I hear just fix your employer brand 
you know, when I hear that statement, you're, uh, you, all you need to do is great employer branding and all your troubles will, will fly out the window. And that we know that's not the case. I mean, you and I know that. And I, um, when I step into an organization and, and talk to them about the things they need to change, whether it be just as simple as fixing the, the, the wording in a job posting, you know, and, and advising them, don't post your job description as your job posting. The job posting is an advertisement. It needs to have um, a little bit of flair and it needs to be attractive and you need to, to, you know, show some spark. Why would somebody want to come work for your organization? That is not going to be going to lie within a job description. In particular, if you're looking to build this dynamic workforce that um, represents your culture, right? Everything that you put out there for the public has to really be a a good, strong, but fair and truthful representation of your your organization. I mean, if you work for an organization that values quiet and, you know, they, they work closely together and they have these quiet, informative meetings, somebody like me is not going to fit in (laughs) because (laughs) I'm not not, thinking. Right. And, and I, I love a think tank environment. I, I have to be talking and, and, um, thinking out loud and my team needs to be providing feedback for me. Um, you know, while I, I work for an organization where most of us are remote, remote, um, workers, um, it, it, it there is still not this fully autonomous organization. We rely on each other to make sure that that our messaging messaging is is true across the board, and also that we're getting our work done and that we're helping each other the best way that we can. Um, so if if constant communication is not part of your organization, I'm not going to be a good fit. And so when we're when we're considering employer branding, we need to consider the types of individuals that we want to attract. So how do we, how do we put it out there so that we, we are attracting the right ones? I mean, it, let's go back to fishing. If you want to attract a certain kind of fish, you use a certain kind of lure, right? So it's, it's, um, it's not that hard. I really, I mean, sometimes when I, I talk to people and they just don't um, get it or don't want to put in the work necessary to understand it and make the change that's necessary to help their organization, it's, it's hard for me because for me, it seems so simple, right? It just seems like it's such a simple idea to tell the truth when you're, when you're, when you're marketing your organization or a job that you have opening, uh, open. So it, it, it's not always easy, but it is always worth it. Yeah. I think, uh, some companies sometimes they struggle with thinking like, are we being too honest? Are we going to turn the right people away but i i'm with you on that that you should allow people to self-select out the really absolutely i mean we complain all the time about having thousands of resumes that aren't qualified Mm. right why why would you not want to ease your process as a recruiter or as a talent attraction manager or um, somebody that's managing the employer brand which i mean employer branding is to recruiters what marketing is to sales Right. Yeah. So my job as a marketer truly is to attract the qualified buyer. Right. And it's the same thing for employer branding. Your job as an employer branding professional is to attract the qualified employee to your organization. And those qualifications are going to be different for each organization. 
You cannot across the board say that a software engineer at one company can fit in at another company because it's going to depend upon culture. It's going to depend on the type of manager or, um, you know, uh, executive team that this individual needs to report into. It's also going to depend on how that individual learns. What does that individual have in mind for their career path? Is that going to be in sync with what this organization is offering? And if you go about your employer brand to just present what a great organization is and anybody could come here and be happy, that is so going to get you in trouble in the long run. And you're going to spend most of your time looking at empty chairs and figuring out what did I do wrong? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Right. So talk to me about talent attraction versus talent management. Well, many people have heard me say that onboarding never ends, Mm -hmm. right? So once you, we spend so much time and money. I mean, here we are talking about employer branding. Um, You know, I've been in the recruiting space for many, many years and we spend so much effort to hire the right person to make sure that that final hire, when that offer is on the table, that they, that they are the right person. And once they, they join the organization, are we still putting that effort out? to make sure that they are happy in their job, that, uh, that they know they have a, a career path that will satisfy them professionally. So talent management has to include talent attraction. You have to continue to attract the talent that you have in your house because guess what? Somebody else is out there jangling a lure in front of them that might attract them and they might, if they're not happy, with their experience at your organization, they're going to um, bite. They're going to look at other opportunities. And it, it may be that they're just kicking tires. But in the end, when the right, right opportunity comes along and they haven't felt satisfied or that they have been cared for or um, a consistent effort to attract and engage the talent that's already with your organization, they're going to leave and look for a better a better place. And what we're finding in particular, I, I really tire of all the negativity that is out there about um, millennials, right? They, the, um, the sad sob stories that HR and, and recruiters and um, talent management professionals tell the tale of millennials. But here's, here's what is so great about millennials. They are doing what the rest of us never had the guts to do. Yes right? They are deciding their own fate. And if they are not happy or satisfied with a job, they're going to find something else that makes them happy and satisfied. And how can we complain about that? Why would you want somebody to continue to work for your organization that doesn't like working for your organization? Do you think they're producing at 100%? Do you think they're being an attractive influence to the other employees around them? Right. So we need to be working to continue the onboarding process. As far as I'm concerned, onboarding never ends. We need to make employees feel valued and that we care about them beyond the fact that they're um, producing uh, whatever work we have set before them. And um, it, it could be as simple as sending them a smiley face in the Slack channel. Um, if you, for instance, my, my dog, I recently lost my dog just a a day ago and I was devastated. 
And I sent a message to my CEO saying, hey, I may not be as productive and I probably need to take a couple of days off because I'm, I'm just really sad right now. <laughs> you know. And, and he wrote back to me and said, I totally understand. Take all the time you need. Hope you feel better. Right now, how many people can feel like they can go to their, their CEO and say something like that to them, that I need some time, my dog passed away? Right. And, um, it, it's, it changes my experience. I become a loyal employee. I will stand and defend and fight for my company's honor because my employer did the same thing for me. My employer cared about me and realized that I was in a situation where I needed to take a little time. So it's, a you know, it's, it's an interesting time for employers but it's it's a wonderful time for employees because of the opportunity that yes. we I'm going to set myself as an employee right now that we have to really seek out opportunities that that suit us. You know, when I would counsel um, job seekers when they were getting ready to go into a job interview, the first thing that I would say is please know that this is just as much about you learning about them as it is about them learning about you. You need to make sure that it's a right fit for you. You know, they can pursue you and want you and, and hunt you down and get you to come in um, to work for them. But if it's not the right opportunity for you, it's not going to be the right opportunity for them. You are not going to be the right fit. So make sure you have questions ready. This isn't just about them asking you questions. At the end of an interview, are you asking the questions when they say to you, do you have any questions for us? How many job seekers and candidates and applicants actually have questions at the ready? I hope more and more, but it used to be very few. Very few would say, no, yeah, no, yeah, I have a lot of questions or no, you've answered everything. How could that be in 45 minutes to an hour long interview that that interviewer answered every question you had as a job seeker? There's no way. So be prepared to ask the questions that will have an impact on your job search and on your decision to to take a job or to say no to an offer. And so, uh, looking at the employees, then, uh, what's this concept of employee path, and how does it relate to employer brand? So um, we we call this. I'm trying to think of the word that we used to call this, which is succession planning. Um, from the from our side of the table, right? Um, is there a plan in place to? Well, let me start over. When um, I first started recruiting, I was a an executive um, recruiter. So, uh, and I worked specifically in the healthcare space. And many times, when a management role was up for us to fill, um, we would go back to the employer and say, "Well, are you sure you can't promote anybody from within?" And the standard answer, so this was 15 years ago, the standard answer was, no, there's nobody ready for this. And no, we can't promote from within there. It would be, you know, it would be too hard on the other employees to see one of their peers promoted to uh, a leadership role, right? And so that always troubled me because these organizations were spending so much money hiring an executive search firm and conducting um, interviews within the organization to find out the right type of person that we needed to hire when really they had a talent pool living within their organization that was already loyal, that already understood what it was like to work 
for them that understood the different um, challenges that there were within departments. You know, an OR manager um, should come from within the ranks. It should be somebody that's already worked in that OR for a long time and understands the changes that are needed or what's working and how can we make it even better, right? So when we talk about succession planning, we're talking about looking at a new hire and seeing a path for them, having a strategy for them. And what employee, new employee, doesn't want to hear that I have plans for you. I see you as um, a potential long-term employee for us, and this is the path that I want to put you on. So I'm going to send you to conferences. I'm going to give you training. I'm going to allow you to shadow. I'm going to have you mentor with one of our executives. I'm going to have you um, reverse mentor with some of our older employees that maybe don't know technology as well as you do. But there's so many opportunities to tell a new employee, we value you. And an employee path or a succession plan is one of the greatest ways there is to secure and hang on to an employee. If somebody comes to them and says, hey, I have a job. Why don't you come and work for me? They can already be thinking, you know what? I already have like a job in a year from now at my organization. I'm going to get a raise. I'm going to have a management role. I'm going to have an opportunity to go back to school. They're going to teach me project management, right? There's all these things that could be on this employee path that would change that talent management opportunity for an organization. So it's, it's a really big way to picture retention, right? It's not just um, get a butt in the seat, have them doing the job. It's how long can I keep that butt in a seat? How long can I hang on to that individual and make sure that they produce and give back to us as much as we are producing and giving to them? I, it's really seems when you, when you talk it out, it seems like it should be simple, Mm. but it's a fight. It's a constant fight to get organizations to understand that you could change ROI significantly if you could reduce attrition. So why are you not thinking about ways to reduce attrition and, and, and providing an employee path or a succession plan is the number one way to do it. Great. Okay. So uh, apart from uh, not providing that, what are some of the other common pitfalls that you see in regards to employer brand? Well, a common pitfall <laughs> would be um, using stock images. Yeah. Um, fake videos, silly videos of somebody running on a beach and, you know, that has nothing to do with the job, has nothing to do with what the what it's like to work for that organization. Years ago, I did an interview with um, monster.com about what employer branding is. This was years ago, I mean, five or six years ago. And what I said at the opening of that interview, what I said at the top of this interview still stands true. The employer brand has to match the employee experience. The, The employer brand should show, give somebody a peek into what it's like to work for the organization. So it goes back to what we were saying earlier about an, a job seeker, an applicant, a candidate, self-selecting. Yes, this is a job I want to pursue. You know what? Now that I see this, this is not a job I want, right? So mm-hmm. a, a com- most common pitfall of all is not being truthful and transparent about what it's like to work for that organization. I hate stock images. 
I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. And I see them all over websites, all over advertising, all over um, everywhere. And, and as a marketer, you know, I have to use them, but I've changed up how I do this for a long time. I, I would walk around my organization when I worked for Broadbean technology and I would do employer branding and our, our blogs and so forth. I was taking images right in our office. I was going outside of our office. I was going down to the beach that was a mile from our office. I was taking my own images, um, taking my own pictures and using those images, um, for, for our branding. And it's a better, more truthful, more transparent way to show, uh, the world about your company. So I, the number one pitfall for me is stock imagery. I mean, really it's in, and that's easy. That's an easy fix and it reduces cost, right? So, um, stock imaging is very expensive. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, I don't know when, when you're kind of in this space, you, you start recognizing that there are perhaps like the 1% of stock images that are being used so over many times across. And over so, and over. Yeah. You know, I, I even, I can't stand, you know, working for a technology company, I cannot stand when you go to a stock image site and, and put technology and search for it. The, the top 50 searches show gears, right? Yeah. Gears like that work together. Since what, what technology doesn't have, what? Okay. Maybe that was technology a hundred years ago. That's not technology. <laughs> That's not technology now, right? It's, it's a gear. No gears working together. No. You know, you might as well just show a water pump too, or, you know, I, I just, but I, I, I struggle with the fact that we, we have these perceptions built in all around us. And so many people feel like they can't change it. They can't say no to a long lasting, long-term perception. You can change perception. You can fix what's going on with your employer brand. You can have an impact by something as simple as not using a stock image, right? You type in diversity. It's horrible that what the images that pop up are horrible. You know, I've, I recently looked at a, um, an executive search firms website. I was kind of just, you know, seeing what are, what are some executive search firms doing now for their own um, promotion for their own marketing, for their own employer branding. And I went through their about us page and their homepage had this really great picture of people um, sitting in a, an office and they were, you know, sitting around talking and it looked like it was, I thought at first it was their, it was their company, right? It was their people because it was an image I had not seen before. And as somebody who works with a lot of stock images, I've seen many, most of them, right? So I, I, um, went to the about a, a section and saw the individual photos of people. Well, they had 14 people represented in that main image. They have four people that work for them and yeah. it didn't represent that picture. Didn't represent them at all. Right. So maybe the perception was these are the people we recruit, but if that's the case, make, you know, a caption about that, say, we work for you. We want to help you that type. Right. So if you're going to use stock image images, make sure that you attach some kind of meaning to them, right? And um, just don't use them. Yeah, <laughs> just, just avoid. Just avoid them. You know, there's some great um, user-generated content organizations out there right now, um, and I, I can talk about that a little bit later. But um, 
you know, you can go to sites that are, are, uh, like the Uber or the Airbnb for photographers, right? You can buy imageries, image images from a site where, um, it doesn't, it's money's not going to a major corporation. It's not going to Getty images. It's going to, um, it's going to the actual photographer that took that picture. So I, I suggest looking at other ways to you, uh, to purchase images. Yeah. And I think, uh, in the best case scenario, you also have, you might have employees who are very engaged on social media and taking pictures and uploading them. Ah, um, advocacy so yeah. within your organization is you, the best. Yes. Yeah. So if you can use that, then you, I think you're onto a winner. So you're right on with that. Unilever just uh, launched a new campaign for their new EVP, which, uh, the whole, uh, the main video, which is normally, you know, very, expensively produced video this is all user generated clips they put together and it, it looks really good um, but it must have cost a fraction of uh, what it normally would do oh for sure for sure. i mean when you think about um outside advertising agencies too that that most organizations employ uh because their their marketing team is already stretched and their hr team doesn't feel like they can do it Right or their recruit yeah. their in-house recruiting feels like they cannot they just can't manage one more function, so absolutely use employees. I th- I think um, finding a brand advocate within your own organization is ideal. That's right up there with um, you know a, a maintaining and retaining quality employees. If somebody is already excited about working there, why would you not take advantage of of that and and tap into um, their excitement about, and, and you in the long run will learn more about that, the department this individual works for and this individual themselves and be, it could be a part of their employee path. There are so many exciting things that can be done today when it comes to employee engagement. That's beyond what we typically think about employee engagement, right? We, we sometimes think that it's, it's all it is, is just making the, making sure the employee has what they need. Well, it's a little bit more than that. Yeah, so uh, I was going to ask about uh, technology as well. I know that uh, you're a fan of uh, of uh, looking beyond technology, but is there yes, any, yeah. any specific piece of tech that you could not live without? Uh, for well, for employer branding, probably Glassdoor. I'm I'm still a big Glassdoor fan, so I'm mm-hmm. watching what they're doing and the the changes that will come to them in the recent acquisition. Um, I, I like the updates and changes they've made to the product over the last, uh, two years. Um, the, the UCG, uh, for images that I, um, or UGC that I mentioned earlier is, is scope S C O P dot I O that's for user generated images. Um, I, I love them. They're, they're fairly new and I love being a part of an organization that's, you know, just launching. It's fun to, to watch them grow. And I've been on their, um, newsletter for the last few months and, um, just ended my contract with a major, um, stock image organization. And I've gone with, with this company. So it's Scopio, S-C-O-P.io. And of course, uh, Job postings, so job boards are a big part of an employer brand and and really learning the best ways to do that. Um, there's another um, company that's just launching called Content App, C-O-N-T-E-N-T-A-P-P. 
And I love what, what they're doing. Brand new company. If you know Broadbean at all, this is a uh, Kelly Robinson's one of Kelly Robinson's new companies that he just launched the, the founder and former CEO of Broadbean. Um, it, it's about getting away from stock images also and a little bit of a user generated content feel to that and um, quick hits and um, a little bit different spin on drip campaigns. Uh, so it, it'll be fun to watch them as well. And then um, I've done some programmatic ad work with AppCast. Um, so I like what they're doing as well. They're, they're based in uh, New Hampshire, I believe. And uh, it's fun to try new digital, um, digital work too on this. And, and I'm, I want to get away from saying, let me just put this out there right now. I want to get away from saying digital. There, it, everything is digital. So why yeah, are we, sure. <laughs> why, why are we still using the oh, word? Fine, yeah. Right. It's just, it's, I love programmatic. I like that, that what that means and, and, um, how that can help you to think differently about ad campaigns and, um, you know, your employer branding, really putting forth um, an, an effort to use technology to, to shift the, the messaging that gets out there for your intended audience. Yeah, great. Okay. And uh, measurement, do you have uh, any tips around measuring employer brand success? How long are the employees staying? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I think that's the thing everything, sh everyone should be measuring, whether it's for, um, you know, we, we look so closely at time to fill. We, we have looked so closely at um, the spend, the cost, right? Um, for ROI, for employer brand, ultimately it's the retention of that employee once they, so it's not, this is not a quick answer. I can't, you know, I can't start an ad campaign um, and three months later say, yeah, this is the ROI on that ad campaign. I, I really, I looked at how many people we hired. If those people don't stay because the employer brand was off, then it doesn't matter. None of those numbers matter, right? So ultimately, the ROI of employer branding is the, the revenue that that organization sees for the length of time that that employee is with the organization. I, I yeah. mean, I, it's, it's a, I, I don't think it's a simple answer. That is the part of this that is not simple at all. But um, the, the question is a, is a much more simple question than we want it to be. It's how long, how long is that, does that employee stay? Did they feel like the, their recruitment process, was it truthful and honest? And did they join the organization knowing full well exactly what it was going to like, be like to work for them? Good. Right. So. Okay. Right. And uh, lots of employee brand managers listening to this right now. So ah. No pressure, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> what would be your uh, top tips to them? Where? You know, um, number one, go talk to marketing. Yep. Start having a great relationship with marketing because they can help you. And really, if they have the bandwidth, they want to help you because they want whatever you're putting out to match the, the marketing and they, they want to help you. Maybe you can make a little bit of a shift with your logo, a little bit of color shift or something like that, but you really need to get approval. Um, not so much approval. I hate to say that, but really work with marketing so that marketing is on your side. 
So when you go to ask for dollars, it can be a, a joint effort with marketing because we know, we know today what we're seeing is that the consumer brand is starting to melt into the employer brand. The more that employees talk about what it's like to work for a company and the more negative that conversation is, the more it's going to impact the consumer brand. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it happen with organizations that have treated employees poorly. Um, you know, Twitter has suffered from this. Uber is going to continue to suffer with it. Um, so as long as marketing has an open door for you, you should be knocking on it and, and walking through it and saying, help me. Um, employer branding also um, work with, you know, one of the things that I, when I first tech company I worked for and I was managing recruitment and retention. So I've been thinking about this for a, a long time. They put recruitment and retention in the same bucket. So whoever I hired, they had to stay because it was my job to make sure they stayed also. And it gave me an early blast into um, employer branding before that was ever even a, a term. You know, we weren't even saying employer, employer branding back then. And my biggest tip that I can give for that, um, that side of it was go and talk to your hiring managers, have a good relationship with the hiring manager so that you really do know the type of people that, that need to be attracted to that particular department or who will work for that particular manager. So make sure that you have a strong, good relationship with, um, with the hiring managers that you're hiring for. You don't have to know their work. You don't have to be, I mean, if, if you're hiring software engineers, you don't have to know software engineering. You just need to know that hiring manager. What is their management style? What type of um, room, office, cubicle, open space is, does the new, where is the new employee going to be working, right? So that you have a really good understanding of what that job is going to be like. And um, if you don't have those things, you cannot possibly have a successful employer brand strategy or efforts, right? It, it just isn't possible. Um, number three, uh, 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 try, try new things. Try things you're afraid of right? Um, we can learn so much from challenging ourselves. You know, I, I used to be scared to death of challenge or taking a risk, risk um, in, in my job efforts. But um, as soon as I get, got over that little speed hump and decided, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something I've never tried before, it's so much fun. And it, and it um, you know, it can make work a party, right? It can, it can be celebratory and you can and have that personal feeling of success for yourself because you've tried something new. If you've never done a programmatic ad, take a look at it. Call an organization that's doing it. Ask them for a demo. You know, try, try new things. Um, um, if you're not used to asking for budget, start reading blogs about how to ask for budget, right? Um, I, I, I would say that, you know, those are my top three tips for, you know, talk to marketing, talk to your hiring managers and be, take a risk. Excellent. Great. Okay. What uh, employer brands out there inspire you? Who should our listeners be looking at? Oh, I'm, I'm really inspired right now by American Airlines. 
Um, They have made some shifts and changes and have taken some stances. Um, A lot of people are telling um, organizations to stay out of politics, but I'm really inspired by what they're doing and and right now. So if you aren't following American Airlines, I strongly suggest that you follow them. I have my very good friend. She, I will be full disclosure here. My very good friend, Carrie Corbin, um, is, is running talent or employer brand for, for American Airlines. And I totally dig what they're doing. And it's not just her. She has a huge department that is um, making a great effort to differentiate them, themselves. I love what Southwest has always done. Um, if you fly Southwest Airlines at all and right inside their magazine that sits in the seat pocket, they t- an employee tells a story. They have always highlighted employees and you can tell um, an employee that is happy. You can tell when, when they work with you, when you're speaking to a sales representative, a customer representative, a ticketing agent, um, somebody that's, t- that's taking your bag, somebody that's helping you with lost baggage, you can tell people who like their jobs, right? Um, I'm starting to see, interesting enough, I don't know if you know too much about the DMV in the U.S. The Department <laughs> the, of uh, Motor Vehicles? Yeah, they have not had the best reputation for um, for ha- employing individuals that are happy, that right. work quickly, that take care of fi- ter- take care of the employee or the customer needs. They have not had that reputation. But I'm starting. I'm actually starting to see, and maybe it's just the local level, but I'm starting to see a big change. Um, you know, I have I have four children and I went through the whole getting your driver's license process with all four of them on my own as a single mom. And it was not fun. It was not, <laughs> not a fun experience. And the last few times that I've been to the DMV, the last few times that I've visited their website, I've seen a marked difference. So it might be small and slight, but that's how you start, right? If you've, if you're not known for your bright, cheery employees, at some some place along the way, you've got to start figuring out how do we fix this. And I think um, the the DMV and and some other government um, departments are starting to to fix that. You know, I can think of a lot of organizations that are horrible, and I don't want to name them. And I I avoid them. If I if I think the employees aren't treated well, if I if I'm not treated well as a customer. I, I avoid them. I won't use their products. I won't um, buy their products. I won't use their service. And so organizations need to start thinking that way, that the consumer is more socially aware than we used to be. And we're going to make choices based on that awareness. Um, and um, Taco Bell, they started early on Snapchat. So yeah. Um, they've, they've got some good things going. I love, love following them. Um, same thing with, uh, some of the surf brands I live in, I live in Laguna beach, California. So I, I follow a lot of the surf brands, but if you're looking to understand a lifestyle brand, if you have a lifestyle brand that you work for, um, and what they're doing, you know, they, they do a lot of interviews with, the the young people they employ and, and they show lifestyles an important part of, working for their organization. So I'm talking about Quicksilver and Hobie and, um, you know, the, the surf brands that are out there, um, mm. PacSun and, um, 
it's it's a lot of fun to look at a brand like those that have actually made a huge effort to incorporate lifestyle into their employer brand as well. Great. So lots to have a look at that. I've just had images of uh, the DMV's uh, employer brand. It probably wasn't helped by it was a Patty and Selma Bouvier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, um, yeah, American Airlines. We had Carrie Corbin on the podcast. Uh, oh, good. A month ago. Yeah, she's uh, great. And really. they're, I mean, they just announced um, yesterday, uh, you know, that they're they're going to take a stance on a couple of different political issues. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, it's interesting. activism, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when you have a public that is being very vocal about one particular subject. Um, do you continue to run business the same as usual? Or do you say, maybe I need to look into what the public and our consumers are thinking and feeling, right? And how do we make sure that we're in line with them? We want to maintain our loyal uh, customers. We want to maintain our loyal employees. So how do we how do we um, how do we make this fit into our for profit organization, right? And and more and more organizations are really looking at the social awareness side of um, their their company, and that's another. I mean, I would throw another tip out there. What um, for employer brand managers? What are the social awareness issues that you guys are tackling? What are you doing? for the community where your organization is headquartered or um, for your employees so that they, you know, if, if you have an employee that had breast cancer, what have you done for breast cancer advocacy within your organization? How has that made your employees feel? Um, have you done walks for breast cancer? Have you, you know, I, I'm thinking of a specific organization that I worked for in the past and we had, we had an employee that um, had survived breast cancer and we all went full on into it, you know, supporting that, um, those efforts to raise awareness and um, be thankful for her survival. Um, so, I mean, what are, what are you doing to, within your organization to also tap into that side of the employee's um, interest? Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, finally, I should also mention that uh, Southwest Airlines, um, I'm interviewing them next week. Oh, so wonderful. Stay, stay tuned on this podcast. I think they've done a fantastic job of being a, a no-frills airline, but still keep oh. employees really happy, which is... Absolutely. The, the employees are, I, I mean, they. you can tell when you get on how, the plane, as you're boarding the plane, exactly how those employees feel, right? Mm. And their, their happy demeanor, their helpfulness, their... Um, you know, I, I fly often, as I'm sure you do, and it's not always an easy, fun thing. Travel is not always an easy, fun thing. And so I always look at it, what if this were my job, right? <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. What if it were my job to heave-ho luggage every day? You know, what if it were my job to have to deal with cranky, angry, um, drunk, sometimes customers, right? How, how would you manage it? How would you better have a strong organization behind you that loves you and supports you and is loyal to you as an employee in order for you to continue to smile and shake hands and um, provide a, a service? I mean, it truly is a, a service of beyond and above 
And uh, I, I just really love what I'm seeing with many of the airlines. Some of them are, are still not succeeding, but there are several that are standouts right now. Great. Okay. So now, final question. Where can our listeners learn more about uh, yourself, Rayanne, your work? And uh, sure. please make sure you mention your uh, podcast as well. Yeah, of course. I, I have a great podcast I've been doing for four years now, I think, wow. um, called HR Latte, but I've been podcasting for about six or seven years. I um, started podcasting when it was first kind of popular and then it died away. And then all of a sudden um, we could listen to podcasts on our phones and it had a, a wonderful resurgence. So um, I stuck through all of that and um, I have my own podcast called HR Latte. You can find it on intrepid.media. And I can share um, the link there with you, um, Jorgen. And I also am an avid writer. I write for Intrepid.media as well. I'm the HR editor over uh, at and lifestyle editor on Intrepid.media. I am a, a big advocate of using life and storytelling in business. And so I, I try to cross those streams as often as I can. And, um, I also write for dovetail software. So dovetailsoftware.com or hr.dovetailsoftware.com. We do have another side of our product that is for it case management, um, has nothing to do with HR, uh, more for customer support. Um, and then the HR side is for employee support. So, um, lots of different places you can find me. Please connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Just my name, Rayanne Thorne, R-A-Y-A-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-N. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Ryan. I'm such a pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me. All right. There you have it, folks. Everything Rayan and I discussed will, of course, be in the show notes article, which you'll be able to find at employerbrandingpodcast.com and also on Undercover Recruiter. Now, of course, feel free to check out the Employer Brand Index, which is our approach to measuring your company's reputation as an employer perhaps compared to your competitors to make things really interesting. Check it out at employerbrandindex.co and feel free to reach out to me at jorgen at linkhumans.com if you'd like to see a sample report. Now, finally, do you Twitter? I'm sure you do. Now, do you follow this podcast on Twitter? Maybe not. The handle is Employer Brand UK. So just search for Employer Brand and you'll probably find it. So it's basically Employer Brand and there's an emoji or a microphone on there, I think, on the Twitter handle. Make sure you follow that and you'll be the first person to know about new episodes. Unless, of course, you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and you might be one step ahead. So either, either one of those uh, channels will work really well. But uh, Check us out on Twitter, Employer Brand UK. And that is it for this week. Many thanks for tuning in. And I look forward to catching up with you next time. Hey! There's this string and he walks into a bar and the bartender says, uh, what are you doing here? And the string says, I, I just want a beer. I just came in to get a beer. And he said, I'm sorry, we don't serve strings. Don't even sit down at the bar. You need to leave. So the string goes home, dejected, you know, thinks I'm going to try again tomorrow because I really want a beer. So the next day, string slips in, sits at the bar before he has a ch the bartender has a chance to recognize him and sitting there and he kind of, you know, puts his little top of his string down and says, can I get a beer? 
And the bartender says, hey, I don't serve strings here. I told you that already. You need to leave. So string goes home. He says, that's it. I'm going to disguise myself. He's never going to recognize me tomorrow. So the next day after work, he comes home and he makes a loop on one side, makes a loop on the other side, fluffs out his top with a, with a comb and heads back to the bar, sits down at the bar and says, hey, can I get a beer? And the bartender says, hey, aren't you that string that was in here yesterday? And he said, nope, I'm afraid not. 